We invite you to one verse of Scripture this morning for our text in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Rather difficult to read this one verse when there's so many others around it so associated in meaning and so forth, but we'll try to limit it to this verse. Ephesians 1 and 11 reads, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And I want us to try to focus in on about the last half of that verse for our subject. And our subject is divine providence. And so look at the last half of that, the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And certainly that is a definition of providence, and that is our subject, divine providence. And as I urge you to think about this subject, as I try to speak on it, I would like to first of all, begin with the blessedness of knowing this truth. It's like any of God's truth. There is a great blessing in truth. There's no blessings in error, but the more of truth you know and the doctrines of the Bible, there is a blessedness associated with it. You should be able to trace that in your life. I mean, whether you can remember it all or not, you should be able to know that, well, yes, God saved me, and then I learned this, and then I learned that, and and this doctrine came along, and that doctrine come along, and I can actually remember some of those doctrines, and when, and the where, and the who, and the how some of them came about. And it's just a great blessedness. You don't have to have all that memory. But you can certainly remember times when you did not believe certain truths you believe now. Isn't it much more blessed now? Isn't there a comfort and a peace in those things you have learned that you were without when you did not know? And certainly this is true of divine providence, a wonderful subject. I love it. I love to speak on it. In the verse there, that we're looking at, we're looking at sovereignty because it says there predestinated to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. There is a sovereignty overshadowing all that is said in that verse. There is predestination within that verse and there is providence in that verse. And these things while distinct are so attached to one another that you can't separate them. They're so entwined. In fact, they coexist. You can't pluck one of them out of there and it exists all by itself without the others. They coexist in that sense. But again, what a joy, what a peace, what a contentment there is to the person that knows and believes what the Bible teaches about divine providence, which is that God purposes and works all things after the counsel of his own will. 
After thinking about this this week, I we speak a lot here about contentment and joy and things, as I believe we should, because as Christians, we are to be happy, rejoicing, joyful. Uh, we're the light, you know. I mean, we have more to be happy and rejoice in. And ultimately, that all brings us to contentment. And I've preached to you on contentment and various things before, but I believe if I was to say to you today, there are two ingredients to contentment. One of them is certainly thankfulness, because nobody has ever been content that's not thankful. But I'd say there's another flip side to that, like a coin, and that would be divine providence. And I would kind of challenge you, and you tell me later on about this, can you think of anything else besides those two things that can give us the contentment that we have? To me, those two just, that's the coin, and that's the two sides of the coin. You can't embrace divine providence and be content without being thankful, and vice versa. So, again, a little gem there today. Contentment rests on these two things in the child of God being thankful and having some knowledge of divine providence. For without providence, without knowing and understanding divine providence, there's going to be stress and anxiety and all kinds of things going on. But when you embrace divine providence, that's just like taking a medicine for a problem and it taking care of it. It all subsides. Now, if you want to contemplate a little bit about what it's like not believing in divine providence, just look at the people around you. Look at the misery and the anxiety of those who do not know or do not embrace what the Bible teaches about divine providence. Always anxious, always stressed, always worried, etc., etc., because they do not know or do not believe that everything happens with purpose and with effect. That it is by divine design and it is divinely executed. I mean, I wish I could hand that out like aspirins. And that everybody I gave it to would just swallow it and embrace it and then be able to enjoy what I enjoy because of that. But people live by what they call chance, luck, fate, or just randomness. And that is a prescription for misery and anxiety and all the other things. In fact, the words, well, it's just luck. It's just chance. It's just fate. It's just destiny. These are just human words for our ignorance of divine providence. That's all they are. And I'm not saying that accusingly because there was a time when I used those words. And I'm happy to say to you, not bragging today, I can't, I haven't used the word luck in several decades. <laughs> I mean, when I embrace divine providence predestination and sovereignty the way the Bible teaches it I let those things go I have not told anybody good luck again in decades by the grace of God and I rejoice in that but we all know the misery 
of believing in such things. I remember an example of this, and then I'll get into the message here, but by way of introduction, uh, one time uh, a friend of my dad's and what have you, we were, the discussion was about deer hunting. And uh, one of the individuals there, uh, this individual said, well, you know, it's just all luck anyway. It's just all luck, you know. In other words, you just you just uh, decide to go deer hunting. You just pick up a gun. You just go somewhere randomly in the woods, and randomly a deer either shows up or don't show up, and randomly you either shoot it and hit it and kill it and bring it home or you don't. You know, I mean, it, that's literally what he meant. And I remember this for this reason, because in this discussion, and I was a man at the time, the st statement was made, well, it's all just luck anyway. And just a few seconds passed by, and then the same individual said, well, Arthur, you seem to be pretty successful at it. And I'm not saying that to brag, but at least he thought for a moment that, you know, it doesn't appear to be just luck with everybody. And the bottom line to that is, is like so many things in life, whether it's deer hunting or whatever, when preparation meets opportunity, your degree of success goes way up. And uh, so there's a lot of preparation I put into a lot of things I've done, and by the grace of God, I've been successful in some of them. So, again, that's a life story. But, again, a lot of people live their whole life with that type of mentality that, you know, it's like the lottery and everything else. It's all just luck. It's all just at random. You know, there's, there's nothing purpose. There's no execution of it. There's no plan. There's no nothing. Stuff just happens at random. Not so, according to the Bible. The part we agree with is, yes, things happen. But everything that happens is by divine design. By divine purpose, by divine will, by a divine work, and we call it providence. And that's the first thing we'd say about providence is that providence is divine. Providence is not a human term. It's a divine term. It doesn't have a human meaning. We can't attach luck and say such things, chance, to it and call it providence. That's not providence at all. Providence is a divine thing. In our text, it speaks here of predestined, of purpose, of a working after a counsel and of a will. All kinds of ingredients here that obliterate things happening just randomly or at chance. And of course, if you get into creation and science and other things, this is where Christians differ from the infidels and the atheists and the scientists and the evolutionists. They are telling us that the beginning, whatever and wherever it was, which they don't know, was just by chance. And that we live by chance and we'll die by chance, I think. I, aren't you glad? Think about it. I mean, I know you all believe this, but chew on it a little. Let's savor it a little today, shall we? 
Isn't it wonderful? We can take, we can take providence for granted. But what a blessing it is when you look around you and see that the misery that other people live in, and yet we know it's all divinely designed in every jot and detail and always has and always is and will be. And man, that gives us a peace that passes understanding. God purposes. God predestined, and I'm not putting these in no particular order because there is some order, but I'm not going to get in a theological discussion about whether the purpose came before the predestination or vice versa. But predestination simply means predetermined. It was a predetermined purpose of God. And it was, I'm going to change the order here a little, it was according to the counsel of of God, not the counsel of man, not the counsel of angels. Uh, God does not consult any other being or any created being about what he thinks about doing, purposes to do, or designs to do. He only consults himself like he only swears by himself. And that, of course, is the Godhead, the triune Godhead. And then he executes, he worketh, worketh it as he designed it, according to his will and according to his good pleasure. Now the word counsel there, I want to say something quickly about it because that kind of throws us. What is counsel? We usually interpret that as advice, okay? Meaning God didn't get no advice other than he advised, he's himself advisor, but the word I believe is there for this meaning that his purpose and his will and his predeterminate counsel is just that. It is a determination. And I believe I can prove that to you from Acts chapter 2 and verse 23 on the day of Pentecost, Peter used these words. Acts 2.23, him Christ being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken him by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. The determinant there complements the counsel. You see that it is a determined thing with God. And that's the emphasis I would put upon it there in our text. So you break these things down into the individual things I've mentioned there, really five predestinated, purpose, worketh, counsel, and will, and you put them all together and you know what you get? Divine providence. You know what providence is? 100% success. You put those things together. Now we can take those same things and put them in a human context and we just got a mess. I mean, what have you predetermined to do? And what's your success rate for the things you've predetermined? What have you purposed to do? And how much of that has come to pass? How much counsel in and of yourself have you had that was right? Add the counsel you've got from others. And how did that go? What's the percentage? have you willed to do and how much of it have you brought to pass how much have you worked at what you've purposed and determined and wanted and willed to do 
Uh, as I talk, the success rate just continues to go down, does it not? Yet God, being omnipotent and sovereign, has a 100% success ratio. Everything He has purposed, everything He has predestinated, everything He has determined by His own wisdom to do and will to do, and I don't like the word want to do when it comes to God, so I'm going to stick with will. He has worked it exactly as He determined it to be. He has always gotten the outcome that He's purposed. He has been able to determine to do something and to effectively bring it to pass 100% of the time. There's a verse in uh, concerning the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9. I'll, I'm going to turn there and read it. I could just say it, but I want you to read it with me. Uh, that I just love because I think it says what I just said. And I think that's probably where I got this. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is the prophecies of Christ being born and his various labels and titles. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice for henceforth forevermore. And this is the part I want you to notice. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, where we lack in our performance of the things we want to do, God is 100% successful. And again, is that not a blessedness? Does that not bless your soul? Does that not cause your cup to run over today? Does that not cause you to feel joy and contentment in your soul, knowing that God, the God of the Bible, knows no failures? He has no plan B of any kind. He doesn't even have a plan A. He just has the plan. That's it. And it comes to pass. Absolutely amazing when you stop and, and consider it. The aim and result always of divine providence is God's glory. The Bible tells us in Revelation 4 and 11 that he has made everything for himself and for his glory. That may sound selfish to the unbelieving, but so be it. So be it. God is God. There's nobody like him. If you want to call him selfish, well, I don't find that thing in the Bible. I think that's wrong to do that. But in a human sense, I'll say this, God has a right to be selfish because he is God. And who are you going to compare him to? There's not another God like him. So truly, he really can't be selfish because he's God. <laughs> that, that excludes him from being selfish. But in some rights, humanly speaking, it gives him the only unalienable rights there is to be selfish since he's God. I hope I didn't mess that up, but... Revelation 4.11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for Thou hast created all things for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, if people would just believe that, they'd take a back seat to their will, their wants, and their rights, wouldn't they? We're here because of Him. We're here for Him. I mean, get it right. People who quit talking about the, quit talking about their rights and start talking about their responsibilities. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. 
And that's what we should talk about. So it's all here for his glory. In the book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, that's reinforced. When it says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created by him and for him. So providence works entirely to the glory of God. That's why God purposes, predestinates, determines, wills, executes, works, and gets a desired result is that all focus, all glory will be upon him. Two times here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it speaks about predestinating us under the adopted children by Jesus Christ to himself, and it is according to the good pleasure of his will. In verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed, excuse me, in himself. We believe our God is in the heavens, as the psalmist says, and He has done whatsoever He pleased, what brings Him pleasure and what brings Him glory. So it's important to note, providence is providence, and it is divine because it brings glory to God. Providence is, and I want you to consider this, this is one of the most marvelous parts about providence. I can't go into all five of those things in details. But it is, to our minds, in reality, God working. If God did not work it all out, it would just remain a purpose, wouldn't it? It would just remain a desire or a will. That's like you and me. Well, I want a whatever. I, I want to go such and such a place. Well, if you don't start making plans to, to get a vehicle, to put gas in the vehicle, to get off work, to make a hotel reservation, to check the road and see if you can get there, you know, you got to work at it. If it's anything very big at all. God working is providence. Now, here's the amazing thing. This is probably the most amazing thing about providence to me is God's working. I mean, you can't forecast it. You don't know how he's going to do it. If we know he said he'd do it, we know he's going to do it. We see evidence of the things he has done. But the point that is amazing is he works all things. Everything. There's nothing literally outside of His working. Everything that is, we just read it. Everything He created, it's here and He's working with it. It has a purpose. And when we're talking about working, God working to achieve providence as we know it, we're not only talking about all things inclusively, but we're talking about all means of resources to literally, I'll use the phrase, to bring about the purpose. And when God purposes or wills or predestinates something, then He works and brings it about when it, when it is brought about, when it is fulfilled, when it comes to pass, that's providence. Now, I ask you, 
How many ways does God have to do that? <laughs> as many grains of sand as there is on the seashore, as many stars as there are in the skies, God has infinite means, ways, resources to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. He's not limited. He's not restricted. He could do it a number of ways. But guess what? He always does it the best way. But He has at His disposal everything. Everything to accomplish His purpose. I could go on here forever and ever and ever and ever and I would never finish, nor could you. I could get your input and we would all never finish on this subject of the way and the means that God accomplishes the things He purposes. But let me try to excite your mind a little bit on it. There are things called microorganisms that we can't see without a microscope, right? God's in control of all that. He's working in that realm. The unseen realm of living tissue, living organisms and all that. God works there. If there's dust in outer space, God's working in every little teeny tiny particle. I bother... I uh, borrow that from a man that wrote a book on absolute predestination. I remember him mentioning something about particles in space, whatever they are. Every minute particle, what it is, it's not outside of God's will, control, or purpose. It exists. It's there. It's moving. It's not moving. Whatever it is, it's all there under God's providence. All plant life, all animal life, all sea life, nature, the weather, all that entails, all peoples, all kings, all monarchs, all nations, all diseases, all deaths, you name it. God has, as you would have it, it's, it's like all of these are puzzle pieces. And God can take whatever pieces He wants to make a puzzle and it'll be perfect every time for whatever He intended it to be. He can use one or two of the things I just mentioned. He can use one thing. He can use a hundred things. However He wants to do it. And it's always going to be accomplished perfectly the way He designed it to be. He can use one person in your life to bring something about. He can use one disaster in your life to bring something about. He can do it in a millisecond. He can do it in a minute. He can do it in an hour. Or he may take ten years to do it. He's not limited, restricted. I mean, he's got more resources at his disposal than we can imagine. And we're still discovering the stuff he's created and what he's done. And so he has all of that. In the Bible, I mean, here again, I hope you see the difficulty of my task. You can start from Genesis and you go to Revelation. And what do you see? God doing things the way He wanted to do it when He could have done it to our minds a million different ways. 
He can use a disease to get a guy to do what he wants. He can use an ass to get a guy to do what he wants. He can use a preacher to convert a woman on the riverbank. He, just, he can use a nation, Assyria, as a rod to whip his own people. He is not limited. And the marvel is that he does this with everything. And it all meshes together like trillions of gears all working together in sync one with another. Whatever he's doing in your life, it interacts with what he's doing in my life because we're here today together. We're exposed to one another. So what he's doing with you is not disrupting what he's doing with me, and what he's doing with me is not disrupting what he's doing with you. It all goes together. If you're exposed to it, it's going to fit together. The pieces have to fit because they're divine design. Is your mind blowed yet? Two scriptures that I think speak to this that kind of blows my mind when I think about this. And I think God has captured it in His Word. The first one is in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 29. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. <laughs> I read that and I thought, wow, that's exactly what my mind was trying to comprehend and couldn't comprehend and the scripture says excellent in working jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 19 great in counsel and mighty in work well that says it all to the point doesn't it? that just says it like an old country boy great in counsel mighty in work for thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings and again, it's universal. God works all things. All things. All things, everything. According to His own will. A good example of this, if you don't get nothing else out of this message about what divine providence is, just look up and get you a concordance and look up, it shall come to pass. That's divine providence. It occurs over a hundred times in the Bible where God, His Word, says something and then says, and it shall come to pass. And that thing is either aforementioned or it's mentioned immediately after those words. And the Bible and history is a testimony of so many of those that have come to pass. Synonymous with, and it shall be fulfilled. Isaiah uh, mentions several things concerning this. A couple of scriptures before we press on to an application. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8 and 9. And I can remember, I can literally remember the times that these verses became real to me. And uh, I embraced what we're talking about. Sovereignty, predestination, uh, and providence. Verse 8, Isaiah 42. I am the Lord... That is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. That reinforces the point I made earlier. Behold, the former things are come to pass. Get that. That's providence. The things that have already happened have come to pass, not at random, not at chance, according to him that worketh all things 
after the counsel of his own will. No exceptions. No exclusions. Everything. I mean, I, I'm repeating this because can your mind embrace it? Think on it. Try to think a little harder on it. Everything that has ever happened up till this very moment has been by divine design. No randomness, no chance, nothing out of tune, nothing out of time, exactly on time, every detail, nothing disruption, and it's all to God's glory. They've come to pass. As the dear brother used to say, believing that all these things have come to pass, that have come to pass thus far to this point, is all the more reason to believe the things that have yet to come to pass will come to pass. Amen. I mean, right? Faith upon faith. And new things do I declare. Well, what about the new things? Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Okay, so God tells us some things. We'll bring this point up a little later on. Everything that has happened, happened according to plan. And guess what? I'm telling you now some stuff that's going to happen too. It will also happen according to plan. Wow. Over at the 46th chapter, verse 10 and 11, the Lord says it almost in a challenge. Let's begin with verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there's none like me. And here's what makes God unique. Just one of the things. There are many, so many, but declaring the end from the beginning. Wow. Just, just sit in the dark and chew on that a little while. Declaring the end from the beginning. Now that's what people want to do that bet on football games and everything else, right? But it uh, doesn't always work out, does it? But it does with God. From ancient times, the things that are not yet done. Saying, and here it is again, my counsel shall stand. And the counsel there again, we could almost substitute, I believe, wisdom. Because the determinate knowledge and counsel of God is wisdom. My counsel, wisdom shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. I mean, you want to buck that? Just go ahead and butt your head against that. You want to refute that to your own misery? I caution you. That's the anvil you'll wear yourself out on. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executes my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. That's divine providence, folks. That's God working it out as he determines to work it out. Christ even made a statement in the New Testament in John's Gospel chapter 4. 14, not 4, 14. Very similar. Uh, 14 and 29. But to his own disciples, before his crucifixion and all that was going to happen, he says, And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. I'm telling you ahead of time. All right, let's spend the rest of our time quickly here on providence applied. That is, how it relates to you and me. What are we doing with it? How does it benefit us? What do we understand about it? Well, we don't know a whole lot about it. But yet what we do know is overwhelming. 
What I've just said is overwhelming to my mind. But the bottom line is, how do you identify providence? Well, everything that just happened in the previous moment was divine providence. You're still sitting here. You're still breathing. You're still alive. That's divine providence. Now, a moment ago, we didn't know that. And we don't know about the next moment. One of us could fall over dead here. Or all of us could fall over dead here. Or this building could self-destruct. We don't know. Bottom line is, and I'm not being tacky here, is we only know providence when it comes to pass. We only know it's divine providence once it's happened. We don't know it ahead of time. We know it, as the old saying goes, after the fact. Right? We know we're going to die, but we don't know when we're going to die. But when we do die, we know that was the time and the place and the means, don't we? And so it is with everything. Everything in our life. You know, we say that a lot about death and at a funeral, but it's true of everything that happened in our life while we're alive. Providence is, and again, let me say, just like that second hand on that clock ticking one second at a time. That's providence. Moment by moment, everything is unfolding and being executed according to the divine plan. This second, somebody just died. That second, somebody was just born. That second, I mean, an empire raised up. A king was anointed. Another one fell. Somebody was assassinated. Somebody died of a disease. Somebody I mean, every moment, every moment. How many things are happening in a second? And it's all providence. But the second before it happened, we didn't know it. But when it happens... Now, there are some things that we knew know beforehand. And that's not our knowledge, but that's what God has said, right? I mean, so many things in the Scripture were prophesied and predicted, right? And guess what? It came to pass. Other things are now prophesied that have not come to pass, but God is working that at the moment, at the present time. It might be accomplished tomorrow. It might not be accomplished for a thousand years. But God is working it to its designed end. So the only things we really know beforehand about providence is what God has said in His Word. The problem with most of that is... He haven't given us the exact time that it's going to happen. We know the Lord's coming. But He didn't give us a calendar date like men do, did He? We know we're going to die, but nobody's told me when my death date is. As if you, God didn't tell us that in His Word. He just said, watch and pray and be ready, be prepared, because that, you know, life is a vapor, it's fragile, it could end at any moment. So the things we do know are not things we can pat ourselves on the back about, but simply things God has told us about. And again, He hasn't given us all the detail of those things, has He? But what a joy to know and embrace this because we have the evidence and history to tell us the things that God has said would happen and did happen, and primarily I would say everything that He said about the coming of Christ. 
and what Christ would be and what Christ would do and how Christ would die and what would happen afterwards. And folks, it all came to pass. And that's the most important thing of everything about divine providence. Exactly fulfilled, as numerous of the gospel writers say, according to the scriptures or that the prophecy might be fulfilled. God brought it to pass. As unbelievable as it may have sounded, a virgin did conceive without a man. And the Messiah was born. And so forth and so on. What joy there is, what peace, what contentment there is in knowing that our God is able to do all of this and is doing it in every moment of time and always will. In complete control. That what happens the next second and the next second and the next second could not happen any other way than that way and that that way is always the best way. There could not have been a better way. Now let's get to the needy greed. This, this includes everything that affects you and me. I don't like everything that happens to me, do you? I don't. I mean, there's things that hurt. There's things that make you tired. There's things that upset you. There's all kinds of things. But those things and the happening of those things and our exposure to those things and all of that is designed by God with divine means and divine workings for a divine outcome that gives Him glory and that He has promised is for our good. God is, God is incapable of doing things in a better way. He does it the best way the first time. So when something happens to us or we go through something or some trial or some something or another and we're not liking it and we're not happy about it or some chastening or whatever it may be, it's still happening the best way. God has promised to work it all together for our good because He loves us and cares about us. Final thing I've got to say is belief in divine providence encourages our own responsibility and obedience. That may sound upside down, but let me assure you it's true. The common approach is, well, if it's already by divine design and God's going to bring it to pass, there's nothing new. Let's just, let's just kick back and let it happen, right? Well, that's where our sinful human nature depravity comes out. Yeah, that's what we'd like to do. But God has created us for our glory, for His glory, and He has given us responsibility and duties to perform to His glory. And not to do those things is to bring misery upon ourselves. But what a joy it is to know that we should fear God and keep His commandments because it is our duty and our successes or failures are not going to change anything that God's already designed anyway. That's not a fatalistic statement. That's simply applying what Solomon said. 
There's nothing better for a man to work, to labor, to eat and drink of the fruit of his labor, knowing it's the gift of God. And whether we succeed or whether we fail, God is determined and is working it together for our good, your defeats as well as your successes. We do, we can strive to be obedient because we do know some things God has promised. That's one reason, right? And at the same time, the counter of that is also an admonition to obedience because the details we don't know, we should work and be obedient. Knowing that in the end, we can say, Thy will be done. Because indeed it shall, not because we requested it, but because God will bring it to pass. Because believing in divine providence means that we know that everything will always turn out right because it's God's way. Praise God for divine providence and praise God if you have seen it, know it, and believe it for the peace and joy and contentment that it gives you.